0: Lord God, thank you that we can gather as your people this morning and that as we read and study your word, you speak to us through it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Please do that again for us today. Help us to hear you speak, that we might be encouraged and challenged by what we hear and enabled to live better in relationship with you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, we pray. Amen. What do you desire most? What are you most passionate to get hold of? What is it that you want out of life? What brings you the most joy and pleasure? Living in such a consumerist society as we do, it might be that we're tempted to think that having a fancier car or more expensive TV or phone, uh, buying a particular piece of furniture or wearing certain clothes that these are the things that will bring us fulfillment, bring us joy. Uh, these are the things that we should desire in life. I was thinking recently about the adverts on TV or on the internet that we see and uh, you know, the way they're designed to, to raise our desires, to make us dissatisfied with what we have or uh, convince us that a particular thing will meet our need. There's an advert for a holiday we should go on ...or a beauty product that we should use... ...or an item of food that will satisfy our taste buds. We are indeed a consumerist society. We also, I think, are an achievement-driven society... You know, ...whether it's success in a career or exams or sport... ...or success in terms of recognition and status among our peers... Something that you can talk about, something that you can post on Facebook, something that will give us a sense of accomplishment and significance. Maybe these are the things that we desire in life, the things that we're tempted to delight in. Well, this morning, in contrast to the suggestions from the world around us, I'd, I'd like us to think for a few minutes about a verse found in Psalm 37. A verse that talks about the desires of our hearts and what it is that we should delight in from the Bible's perspective. This is what it says in the ESV version. Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let me read that to you again. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I'm just going to take each part of that verse in turn this morning and try and help us think about what it's saying. So the first thing I want to point out from this verse is that the Lord is someone who we can delight in. The Lord is someone who we can delight in. In order to be able to take delight in someone or something, the object or person has to raise our admiration in some way. It has to be something we can appreciate. It has to be desirable or impressive or praiseworthy. I don't know how many of you were watching the tennis in Wimbledon a week ago. Some of the best players in the world. Uh, uh, The skill that they saw in moving the ball around or the, the, the energy and strength to keep running around the course. Or I'm always impressed by the way the cyclists in the Tour de France uh, that you know it's currently underway at the moment you know maybe maybe you've seen some of the the races on tv or in the news incredible the way the cyclists go up those steep alpine mountain routes we admire sportsmen and women because of their incredible fitness and ability similarly we might admire a musician or a band we might take delight in a piece of music the playing or singing is of such a high standard that you feel moved or, or joyful in response. You take delight in what you hear because it's really good. Or we might delight in an outstanding view or a natural landscape. We had some friends with us this past week visiting from Canada and we took them to Glencoe for the day. And uh, stunning scenery, you know, beautiful mountains, makes you... Pride of the landscape that we have in Scotland. On the other hand, if the musician can't play very well, or the country view is spoiled by a rubbish tip, then we're unlikely to admire it or delight in it. Admiration or delight really needs to be in something that is worthy of our admiration and delight. And I think, therefore, it's important when we are thinking about this verse in Psalm 37, To remind ourselves that God is someone who we can delight in. He is admirable. It is desirable to know Him and to be in relationship with Him. Just think for a moment about His beautiful character and nature. God is strong, He is powerful, He's wise, He's loving. He is compassionate. He's generous, he's patient, He's just. He's not, not lacking in knowledge or ability in any way. He's, he's holy, he's glorious. The Bible uses all sorts of descriptive words to talk about how admirable God is, particularly in the sands. He's, he's the rock, he's the refuge, the creator, the provider the deliverer. He's righteous, he's good, he's gracious, he's beautiful, he's faithful. Psalm 145 says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Even though we know something of of how great God is from the words of the Bible, still we can't fully grasp how great he really is. He's beyond the ability of our our finite minds to truly comprehend. In the words of an old song, he is beautiful beyond description. He's too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Such a magnificent and great God is indeed admirable and praiseworthy. But that might, for human beings, be a very scary thing if it wasn't for the fact that we also know him to be personal and loving and forgiving and kind. He desires to be in relationship with us. He wants us to know him and enjoy him. Of course, we see that most fully in the person of Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who has seen him has seen the Father by which he means that his own character and nature perfectly reflect the character and nature of God the Father. Jesus is someone who is admirable, someone to be delighted in. Just think for a moment about the accounts of his life that we read about in the Gospels. Jesus was fully human, fully God. He he lived a perfect life, never doing anything wrong. He showed incredible wisdom in answering questions. He was good and compassionate. At the same time, he was strong and confident and directive in his teaching. He knew and understood his own identity and purpose. People enjoyed spending time with him. He displayed miraculous power and kingly authority. The Bible suggests that there was nothing particular about Jesus' physical appearance that, that stood out. But in, in, in terms of, of, his, uh, of, of who he was, he was someone that ordinary people just wanted to spend time with. He was incredibly attractive. I wonder if it might be easier for us to get our heads around admiring and delighting in God when we think about admiring and delighting in Jesus. Jesus. I was thinking back through the week to some of the songs that I used to sing in the past, you know, maybe 20 years ago or more, there was a song with the words, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares to you. That was a song that tried to express this idea that God the Father and God the Son are beautiful and desirable. I suppose it's also important to acknowledge that not only is God beautiful in his character and nature, but he he is also admirable because of his actions. We know that God created a beautiful world for us to enjoy. God graciously and generously created us to live in this good world that he has made. He sustains life every moment of every day. He holds the universe together. He gives to us family and and friends and food and shelter. He allows us to experience the many good things, even though our world is messed up because of sin and our rebellion against him. And of course, as Christians, for those of us who are Christians, we, we choose to praise God and worship him, particularly because he has saved us from our sin. We admire the way he worked out his plan of salvation, sending Christ Jesus into the world at just the right time, giving up his son in generous love to die on the cross in our place for our sin. Jesus, in obedience to the Father, chose to go to the cross in order to make it possible for you and me to be redeemed and forgiven and brought into relationship with a holy and beautiful God. It's amazing that we have access to this mighty, powerful being. The Father invites us to know him through Christ and he draws us deeper and deeper into relationship with him, encouraging us to relate to him confidently as his children to find joy in his presence. Yes, God is beautiful and attractive and and admirable and desirable because of who he is and his nature and also because of his actions and his goodness and his generosity towards us. The Lord is someone who we can delight in. Number two, here's the second thing to note. Point number two, we have to choose to delight ourselves in the Lord. We have to choose to delight ourselves in the Lord. It's an instruction, an exhortation, an invitation to us from God's word. It's something that we have to choose to do. Delight yourself in the Lord. Yes, God is incredibly beautiful and desirable and glorious. But unfortunately, we can't see him just yet with our physical eyes. And therefore, in this life of faith, we have to repeatedly remind ourselves that he is someone that we can delight in. How do we do that? Well, I think one of the best ways to do that is through praise. I I find that singing songs about God and to God really helps me with remembering the truths about his character and nature and his actions and his deeds. You know, music I find very helpful in helping me to avoid the distractions of a wandering mind. And we've sung some great songs already this morning. You will, I'm sure, have your own particular favourites or songs that you find helpful. Maybe an older song like Knowing You, Jesus. Knowing You, Jesus. Knowing You. There is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. And the verse continues, Now my heart's desire is to know you more. Words that are based in in Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11. Or a newer song like, What a beautiful name. Nothing compares to this, the name of Jesus. Or maybe for you, rather than a song, it would be like looking at a beautiful scene. Maybe uh, somewhere you're going during the summer holidays, a beautiful view A landscape, something that God has created, being outside perhaps helps you to remember God's greatness and goodness. Psalm 19 begins The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And of course, the place where we see God most clearly is in the pages of the Bible. The Bible describes for us what God is is like and and reveals to us the person of Jesus and his beauty. So as we read the Bible, we're reminded that God is the incredible God that he is. Holy and awesome and splendid and and glorious. So if we want to delight in God, we need to keep reading his word. Read the Psalms, read the Gospels, read the passages that, that particularly reveal God's nature and character. And keep doing that. And then I think it helps to choose to adore him in prayer. We start our prayer with adoration, you know, rather than jumping straight in with various requests. I know I find it hard to slow down enough sometimes to do that. But actually, prayer is a lot to do with getting to know God more and, and enjoying him in relationship, reorientating our lives around who he is. So we begin with praise. Father God, I praise you that you are faithful and loving. I, I thank you that you are truly wise and that you are in control of all things. It's, it's incredible that nothing and no one can stop your purposes. You're so powerful. Thank you for your tender compassion and mercy towards me. Thank you for this new day that you, you, that you desire in it to know me, to know your presence and, and to do, enjoy being in relationship with you. I praise you that you forgive my sins in the words of Psalm 103. I praise you that you redeem my life from the pit and and crown me with love and compassion. You satisfy my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. And so we go on expressing praise and thanks to God and allowing that to lead us into talking to him about the things that are on our hearts, like a conversation. And eventually then we bring our various requests to him, having had our minds and attitudes shaped by his greatness. We'll then have spent some time delighting in God for who he is, rather than relating to him just on the basis of what he can give us for today. I think it's also really helpful to consciously spend time enjoying God's presence throughout the day reminding yourselves at various points that he is with us. There's a book that I read by a guy called Ian Stackhouse that suggested taking up again the uh, daily rhythm of, of pausing at the start of the day to acknowledge God's presence, at the, at the middle of the day, at noon, in, in the middle, middle of our busy day, and again at the end of the day, just pausing to deliberately remind ourselves that God is with us. That mystery of mysteries of the Lord Jesus Christ Dwells within us by his Holy Spirit, that God the Father never leaves us or forsakes us. It's good to remember and enjoy that, whether by sitting quietly, enjoying the peace of his presence, or allowing our minds to respond to him as we listen to music, or choosing an extended period of of solitude, or going for a quiet walk over lunchtime. be things that we can do more easily during the summer holidays. But deliberately choosing in our day to focus our attention on his presence and enjoy it. It's so easy for the cares and worries of life to crowd in and get in the way. For the busyness of living to take over and very quickly we get taken in by other things that demand our attention. And we forget that he is the one who satisfies our deepest longings. The writer of Psalm 42 puts it this way he says as the deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you my God my soul thirsts for God for the living God where can I go and meet with God you get the impression that the psalmist is so desperate to be satisfied in God the Westminster Shorter Catechism says that The man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The catechism is right. God wants us to enjoy him, to find joy in his presence, to to delight in who he is, to to praise and glorify him and and sing and, and pray and just to rejoice. But in each day to recognize that he is the greatest being in existence, that he alone can fully satisfy the longings of our heart. And because of what Jesus has done for us, that we can savor and enjoy God's presence with us. You know the way when food critics are tasting food, you know maybe like uh, cheese tasting or judging or something, or tasting desserts or cakes. You know they don't just stuff it all in their mouth and gobble it all down. Rather, they take a small bit and a cracker, and they keep it in their mouth for a few minutes, and they they enjoy the taste. They know what it tastes like. They they take time to savour the flavour. We have something much, much more enjoyable than nice food. Much, much more precious. We, We have the Lord God himself to desire and savour, to delight in and meditate upon. We know him. And just as the great God but but the personal father who calls us his children to delight in him, to to delight in Jesus as our saviour and Lord, our friend and our king. But we have to choose to delight in in him. Delight yourself in the Lord, is the exhortation and instruction of Psalm 37 verse 4. Number three, here's the third thing to note from this verse in Psalm 37. Number three, when we delight in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. He'll give us the desires of our heart. Psalm 37 is actually an acrostic poem. Each stanza of it begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And as such, the ideas contained in the psalm don't flow in a linear fashion. They sort of circle around. Yet as you read through the whole thing, you do get a sense of the underlying argument. David, the writer of this psalm, sets up a contrast between the wicked and the righteous. He says that the wicked are those who care nothing for God. They might seem to succeed in life. They are prosperous in a worldly sense. Even though they ignore God or reject God, they can still often appear to get what they desire. And the question for the Christian is, why is that? Why do the wicked prosper? As Christians, we can sometimes even end up envying those around us who seem to be successful without any need of God. But as the writer of Psalm 73 puts it, when we enter the sanctuary of God, when we think about things from a biblical worldview, we understand the final destiny of the wicked and realize that in the end, all their earthly and achievement and success will be swept away. What counts in the end is knowing God and being in right relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And so too in this psalm, Psalm 73, David says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture." Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. David is saying that it is worth it. It's worth living a godly life, putting our hope in the Lord, doing what is right in his sight, and and trusting in him to give us what we really need. We're to delight in him and find in God and from God all that we need. In fact, God promises in the words of this psalm that if we delight in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. If we delight in him, he will provide the things we desire. He is sufficient. He is able. He can give us what we desire. There is a bit of a caveat to that, though. Let me explain. Think for a moment about what it is you might desire. What are the desires of your heart? It might be that you would like more wealth or more recognition from others. Perhaps academic success or success in your career. Better health, fitness good looks, friends, a nice husband or wife. Maybe there's a particular thing you'd like to buy or a place you'd like to visit. And maybe, as I've already suggested, you look around at the non-Christian friends and you envy them because they seem to have all these things. They seem to have all they desire. Is that what God is promising us in this verse? Is God promising all these things we might want? Give me a bit of worship and I will make you materially prosperous. Well, no, he's not. We need to understand what this verse is actually promising. It's a bit like the verses in the New Testament that suggest that we can ask Jesus for anything we want in prayer and he will give it to us. John 15 verse 7, for instance, says, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Well, we need to read John 15, verse 7 in context. The first part of the verse says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The conditional aspect of the promise is that we must remain in Jesus. And if we remain in Jesus, he will transform our desires and wants so that the things that we desire and want will be in line with his will for us. I don't know about, about you, but... My tastes in food have changed over the years. For instance, I'm, I'm not that keen anymore on Mars bars and Snickers. You know, when I was younger, I would have enjoyed a tin of celebrations, but now I'd rather something different. Or I remember when I was young, I really didn't like rice at all. And yet, nowadays, I would probably choose rice over potatoes. I think that's what this verse is saying in John 15. If we remain in Jesus, and if the word of God has taken root in our hearts, then our desires will change. We won't ask God for a fancier car so that we can show off to our friends or or whatever it is. Rather, we'll ask for things that help us and help other people to love God more. Things that, that help us in our service of his kingdom. Things that will allow us to bring glory to his name. We will find that as we remain in Him and His Word remains in us, we will increasingly submit ourselves to His will for us. And in so doing, we will learn to ask for the things that are consistent with His will. Therefore, we will be given whatever we ask. The same is true with this verse in Psalm 37 As we delight in God, He changes our desires so that we desire the things that are good for us we get our hearts desires because our hearts have been changed is the promise therefore being a bit deceptive a bit underhand no of course not it's just that you and I need to understand what the promise is really saying it's not a promise that we will gain wealth or popularity or success in our career we might but we also might not God will give us the things that are best for us. The money, the house, the food, the friends, the abilities, the skills, the opportunities, the health that we need to accomplish his will in our lives and his purposes in the world. He gives us what we really need, not what we might currently think we need. And you know, in the end... The greatest treasure, the greatest thing that he can give is himself. Remember how we thought at the start about how beautiful God is and how desirable he is? He is the greatest being in existence. And in the end, gaining him is is more beneficial than anything else that we might receive. Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness. As we delight in God, we discover in increasing measure how delightful he is. We end up wanting more of him. It's like a circle that goes round. The more we delight in God, the more we discover how, how infinitely satisfying He is. And the more we are satisfied in Him, the more we delight in Him, all the more. We realize that, that He is what we need more than anything else. We delight in the Lord and we discover that He is what we really desire. In the words of Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Jesus told a parable about a pearl of great price. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine pearl. When he found it, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. That illustration could have been used of God himself. He is the pearl of greatest price, the most, the most valuable treasure. He, he is precious. And the more we delight in him, the more we will discover that he can both transform and satisfy our desires. It's worth giving up everything else if it means that we can gain more of him therefore delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart Amen.